Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. You might have heard uh, somebody say, I sure hope 2022 is better than 2021. Have you heard that? Have you said that? Well, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is, it might be better. The bad news is, it might be worse. Now, let's just set our expectations real here. There is no promise that this year is going to be better than last year. There is no promise. There is no guarantee. You're like, I'm glad I came to church today, Mr. Encouragement, right? Mr. Happy Face. Actually, I do have an encouragement because even if it's not better, even if it's worse, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what I want to help you see today is this. God is on His throne. He's not changed, and He has given us all that we need to make it through whatever the new year has. What's funny when I think about this is we say, man, I hope 2022 is better than 2021. Isn't that exactly what we said in 2020? And didn't we all cast our hopes on, on the possibility of it? And, it? and it seems as though it just, it just keeps going like a bad dream. But here's the deal. No matter what's going on on the outside, God is faithful. Amen? All right, open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 21. If you don't have a hard copy of God's Word, open it up on your phone, your tablet, whatever it is. But be careful with a tablet or a phone because it's easy to want to get distracted and go somewhere else. All right? Not like physically, but in your mind. If you have ADHD, a tablet's a hard thing to read God's Word on. Ask me how I know. But Joshua chapter uh, chapter 1 gives us a glimpse into a monstrous event that happened in the lives of of the Israelites. And it gives us this glimpse through a conversation that God has with his servant Joshua. And, you know, this whole week I've been pondering and meditating on this thought that everything ends eventually. And unless things end, we can't have a beginning. But in order to have a beginning, we have to let that which was actually end. And so this is a message about the end and the beginning, but overall, God's promises through it all. So Joshua chapter 1, here's what the scripture says. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So here's the scene. Joshua was the assistant to Moses. Moses was the man that God called and used to lead the Israelites out of bondage from Egypt. And so you have to go back 40 plus years before this time and realize that Moses was just a a farmer, basically. He was just out minding his own business, and God spoke to him through a burning bush. And in this bush, God says, you have been called to lead my people. And Moses, of course, goes through all of the excuses, and finally God says, look, I've called you, I want you to go. And so the Bible says that Moses 
obeyed God, and went. And Moses had no idea the journey that he would have. He had no clue that God was going to do all that he had done. He did not understand he was going to stand before Pharaoh and go eye to eye, toe to toe with him. He had no idea that he was going to part the Red Sea by God's command. He had no idea that he was going to pray and God was going to feed the Israelites with manna from sky and, and uh, uh, you know, day in and day, night, day in and day out, and he had no idea that they would wander for forty years, and he had no idea that they would face all the trials that they faced. But in Moses' life, here's what God did: God took him through a, a, a maturing process, and by the end of Moses' life, he was a different person. He wasn't the man who was tending sheep in a wilderness. He was a man who knew God in such a way that his face would shine. It would radiate with the glory of God. In fact, it was so spectacular that the Bible says that when Moses would leave, God, would leave God's presence and come with the, with the people, the people would say, put something on your face. The glory is too great. And so Moses would cover himself. And then the, when, God, when Moses would go back to be with God, God he would open up the covering and, 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 and be face-to-face with God. And so there was this relationship that was building, okay? But here's what you need to know. Moses led the Israelites through wandering, through a wilderness. They were, they were not settled. They were not where God promised that they would be, but they were just a moving group of vagabonds, so to speak. They were kind of gypsies, if you will. They grew, they prospered, and yet God had promised a place of their own, the promised land. What we have in Joshua chapter 1 is the end of an era, the end of a leader, and the beginning of an era, the beginning of a leader. Here's a truth that we can find in this. We cannot begin something new oftentimes, most of the time, until what is old dies or ends. But isn't it funny how we want to hold on to the old? Even if we don't like it, even if it's not comfortable, even if it's bad for us, we don't want to end the old because the fear of the unknown is greater than the current condition that we're, or the fear that we're currently in. Does that make sense? Why do we do that? We do that ultimately because we forget who our God really is. So I don't know who this is for, but I believe somebody in this room needs to know that the end needs to be mourned, it needs to be, be, be properly dealt with, but then it needs to be moved out of into whatever it is that God is doing new in your life. Again, I don't know who that's for, but somebody in this room needs to know that because you won't let that thing die. Death is not the end. Death is an opportunity for a new beginning. And I say that not flippantly. Please don't hear me say it flippantly. I'm not flippant about it. I'm simply saying the reality of life is that we've got to let things in. Remember that old uh, English poet, Geoffrey Chaucer? You don't remember Canterbury Tales? Oh, you remember Canterbury Tales, yeah. Well, go back to college and remind me of English lit. Oh, man, that was a tough one. Anyways, um, he wrote a poem, and in that poem, he, he wrote a phrase that we get this, this saying from. All things must come to an end. Did you know that's where it came from back in the 1300s? All things must come to an end, and it's true. Everything eventually ends. Everything. The sad part is we oftentimes hold on to things long after they should have ended because we're afraid of the new thing that's coming next. 
It's that fear of the unknown. So with that as the backdrop, here is what God says to Joshua. Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you. God is saying, Joshua, it's your turn. It's your time. Moses is dead. He was faithful. He served me. He did all that I called him to do in his time and his generation. But it's a new generation. It's a new day. Now, Joshua, you are the man that I'm raising up to lead my people. And the cool thing about it is this. Joshua didn't earn it or deserve it. The only thing that made Joshua the leader of God's people is that God chose to honor Joshua's obedience It wasn't an earned thing. It was simply that Joshua believed God. That was it. Now, how do we know that? Because we go back in Scripture, we know that that there were spies sent into Jericho, 12 of them to be exact. Out of all 12 of those spies, there were only two of them that came back with a report to Moses. All or 10 of them came back with this report. Man, it's awesome down there. Man, the the grapes are so big, it takes two people to carry a bushel of them. I mean, we got to, like, carry them on a giant stick. Man, it's flowing with milk and honey. Man, it's incredible. It's all that God said it would be and more. But there's giants there. So we can't go. So they were afraid of the unknown. They would rather stay as vagabonds, gypsies, and and, and wandering in the wilderness than to step in what God promised that they would receive. Why? Because of the fear of what they saw with their eyes, not in a belief in what God has said with his mouth. Don't believe your eyes. Believe your ears. Don't believe what you see with your eyes. Believe what you hear with your ears. And I'm speaking, of course, when you hear God's word, take that to the bank no matter what it's showing on the radar. Every time. You might say, oh, that's dumb, because seeing is believing. Uh, Actually, faith is the evidence of unseen. And by the way, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. I was listening to a debate yesterday. Me and and Josh and some friends were driving. And I was listening to a debate, because it's kind of what I do for fun. Um, It was a debate between a uh, a Christopher Hitchens and um, uh, William Lane Craig. And the debate was over, does God exist? And, and what was interesting about this is that all throughout this debate, they were dealing with, with these philosophical issues, but Hitchens kept going back to what I see, what I see, what I see. And he even acknowledged, your argument is built on faith. And the answer is yes, it's built on faith. Faith is what's required to know God. It always has been. It always will be. There is always a gap between what you see and what God says. And that gap is a gap of faith. But here's what I can tell you. Every time we believe God, on the other side, we can look back and see that it wasn't a gap after all. It was solid, secure footing. Are you all in the house today? Let me tell you, God is faithful. And what he says to Joshua is this. He said, Joshua, my servant is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land that I'm giving the Israelites. Then he goes on to expand. He says, I will give you 
everything that your foot treads or every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory, it's almost like he's holding Simba up. Everything the light touches is your... I mean, that's kind of what he's doing here. <laughs> Sorry. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, to the Euphrates River, to the land of the Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Here's the thing about what God was saying. God was telling Joshua, Joshua, every place your foot touches, I am going to give you. And Joshua knew and the people knew that's a great promise but there's still giants in the land. God didn't go through and extinguish all the giants so that he could give the people, uh, uh, give his people the land. No, what God was saying was, I promised you this land and the giants will be removed by me as you go through the land. Sometimes we want God to just clear a path and we can see as far as we can possibly see and go, okay, there's no obstacles, now I'll go. That's not the way God works. God says, I will speak what is true, and because I speak it, I'm calling you to believe it, and as you believe it, your belief is evidenced by your feet. You start walking, and by the way, I never promised an easy road, I simply promised a road. I never promised that you wouldn't be uh, uh, uncomfortable, I never promised that you wouldn't be challenged, and I never promised that there wouldn't be uh, uh, trials and temptations. What I did promise is... I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So this is why I can say whether 2020 is, 2022 is better or worse, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it does. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being flippant. But I'm saying regardless of what happens here, God is eternal. He's not changed who he is. His character hasn't changed. His nature hasn't changed. He is still omnipotent, which means all-powerful. The God who spoke the world into existence is the God who can speak anything that he wants into existence, even still this day. The God who is all-knowing knows everything in the future, even the things that we don't want him to know, right? The God who is all loving is a God who sees you in the true you and still says, I love you because the depths of my love have no boundaries. And so God's saying to Joshua, Joshua, I'm giving you this land and I'm giving you a land that is currently occupied, but don't worry about that. Just believe me. Just trust me. Just follow me. Sometimes we have in our minds this idea that God is going to just make everything wonderful. I, I don't take this the wrong way, but, but who, who told you that lie? Who told you marriage was easy? They lied to you. Who told you raising kids was easy? They lied to you. Who told you you were going to have plenty of money all the time? Oh, I'll tell you, some preachers have told you that, and they lied to you. Because the Bible doesn't say that. What the Bible says is that our God never changes. What the Bible says is that we can trust in Him and He will go before us. What the Bible says is that in this world you will have many troubles. But take heart. In other words, don't lose hope. 
Don't, don't sink back. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because he says, I have overcome the world. He gives this word to Joshua, and he tells Joshua, all of this land is going to be yours. And then he says, no one will be able to stand against you. There are giants, yes, but I'm going to be strong in, uh, uh, for you. And then he says this. He says, I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you, and I will not abandon you. What if you had the confidence of knowing that God would not leave you? I mean, what if you really, truly knew that God would not leave you? He, and I like the way he says, I will not leave you. <clears throat> and then he says, I will not abandon you. Abandoning, the word abandon has this connotation of not being loved or not being cared about. Somebody can leave and still care. Somebody cannot abandon and still care. Because to abandon means I don't care about you, I don't love you, I don't think of you, I'm going to do my own thing. The Bible says that God told Joshua, I will not abandon you. In other words, I care. I care and I know. Now some of y'all, everything's going great in your life. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing really that you can point to that's wrong. But I want you to hide this in your heart just like Mary hid the words that God spoke to her in her heart. Why? Because there's coming a day when you're going to need to draw this back up. And remember, God is faithful. So what is our responsibility? We know what God said. Now, what does he want us to do? Now, now let me be careful. God is speaking this particular word to Joshua. It's dangerous when we take a word that God speaks specifically to a person and we apply that directly to our life without actually going back and saying, okay, is this a universal principle or is this a specific word, right? Like, go take the land, go take the land of, uh, uh, or go take Jericho is not a specific word to us, right? We can, we can do gymnastics all we want and make our own Jericho and stuff, but that's a specific word to a specific people. But there's a principle here, what God is saying to Joshua, that does apply. We know because in the New Testament, Jesus said this to his disciples, almost verbatim. Here's the words that he says to Joshua. Joshua, this is your responsibility. First off, be strong. And second off, be courageous. That's your responsibility. Be strong and be courageous. Now, as I'm thinking through this, I'm wondering, what does it mean to be strong? Well, to be strong means that you keep going, that, that, that you don't stop, you don't give up. So if you're strong, that means that you're continuing forward, you're continuing to move. There are a lot of people right now who are paralyzed in fear because of the thought of what's next. They're paralyzed in fear at the thought of what's going to happen with their jobs, what's going to happen with their families, what's going to happen with their uh, social life. Can they do Christmas next year? Are they going to be able to go on their vacation? I mean, and all of this stuff is just pressing in on them, and it's causing them to just to basically stop. I, I have friends who I follow on Facebook, and their posts are incredibly discouraging. Uh, not discouraging to me, but, but I see how discouraged they are because it's like, I thought that we would fix this by now. I thought that we were going to figure this out and we were going to be on to new and brighter and better things. Here's what we need to know, though. No human can fix this. This is something far bigger than we have the ability to fix. We can change some things, but we will never fix the ultimate problem this world has. It's a sin problem. I'm not saying coronavirus is caused by sin. 
if it was intentional, then yeah, that would apply. I'm, but I'm, so I'm not making that. I'm, but I am saying this. Most of the brokenness or all of the brokenness we see in this world ultimately has its root back in sin. And we're not fixing the sin problem except for Jesus Christ. He's the solution to that. It's a hard issue. But here's the thing. Even though so many people have this very, very, uh, very narrow, very dim, very discouraged look at what's going on in the world right now, God says, be strong. I believe there are two ways that we're strong. One, I believe it's physical strength. And two, I believe it's emotional strength. Emotional strength, we would say this word, grit. You ever heard of that term? That, that guy's just got grit. That girl's, man, she's got grit. For someone to have grit, it means that they grind it out when, it's, when everybody else quits. It's the idea of endurance. It's the idea of saying, you know what, I'm not going to give up. I have a daughter like that. She's right here. I don't want to embarrass you, kid, but you got more grit than anybody else I know. That kid right there, man, she will, she will run. It's like forest. Run, forest. Well, I ran 18,000 miles today. I mean, really, she just grit, de- determination. It's the ability to not give up. And God says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong. You have got to be strong here. And then you got to be physically strong. It takes physical strength to get up and go day after day after day. And then the next part, it says this, be courageous. So be strong, keep going, be courageous, which causes you to have the will to keep going. Those two together is what we need in this year. Amen? Here's the, the trick, though. Not the trick, but here's the truth of this. You don't have enough grit to keep going. You don't have enough strength, physical strength, to keep going. You don't have enough courage to keep going. Because in our own strength, eventually, we just are going to run out. But God says, be strong and courageous because... Your enemies won't stand against you. And because I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. So the strength and the courage isn't because you've just pulled yourself up by the bootstraps. This is not a self-help that you just get to do better. You just got to determine to do it. This is the truth that you and I are utterly and completely dependent upon Jesus for everything. And when we rely upon him... God gives us the strength and he gives us the courage where we can't find it within ourselves. That's the truth of this passage. God is saying to Joshua, Joshua, you're going to lead my people. You are not equipped to lead my people. You, are not, you haven't gone to the right schools. You've learned some things. But the only way you're going to do this is you're going to use my strength and you're going to use my courage because I am going to be with you. And because I am with you, you will be prosperous and you will be successful. The message today is this, no matter what's going on in the world, ultimately, we're to look up. It's not that we're blind to the realities of life. And by the way, I don't want to, you can't speak things into existence. Only God can do that. Sometimes people are like, I've been around folks and I'm like, man, I don't feel good. Don't speak that. 
don't say that. What do you mean don't say that? I'd feel like a, a, a pile of trash. Don't say that. Say good things over yourself. I feel strong. I feel, it doesn't work that way. That's, that's not what the Bible says. I mean, really, if you feel like trash, I mean, after all, what is repentance? I mean, right? Should we, should we speak good things as repentance? I'm not a sinner. Oh, yes, you are, right? Here's the thing. When, when, when we're in a place where we have no more strength, we look up. When we're in a place where the world is going nuts and apes, we look up and we say, God, you are my refuge and you are my fortress. You are the strength of my heart. God, I yield to you today. I recognize that I can't, but you have already made a way. God, I look at your word and I see that time after time after time, when the door was shut, you opened it. And I see time after time after time, when the ruler said no, you said yes, and you changed their hearts and you broke their chains. God, I believe, I choose to believe you, not everything else. Who are you listening to is the question. It's interesting because when God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous, he then says it again. He says in verse 6, be strong and courageous, for I will distribute the land I swore to your fathers to give them as an inheritance. And then verse 7, above all, be strong and courageous. In other words, in case you didn't hear me, let me tell you again. It's almost like he was talking, talking to a child, Right? And then he says it again. He goes on uh, down in, the, in verse, um, uh, all the way at the end, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong. And Do you think God's trying to tell us something? Do you think maybe there's a word for us today? You say, I Jeff, I just can't be strong. Yes, you can, because God is, his strength is your strength. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. Isn't it funny how we try to hide weakness and the reality is the more we try to hide weakness, the more we actually realize that we're weak. But it's when we just kind of lay it out there and say, God, I, I, I quit. I give up. I, I can't do this on my own. So I'm trusting in you. God, I'm, I'm giving you everything about me. And, and it's, if, 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 if it were like this, it's almost like God would say, finally, right? It's about time. Think about the things in your life that just aren't working right. How hard have you tried to fix them and how much have you relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit to fix them? How much is your own wisdom and how much is the wisdom of God? Isn't it funny that we have even have this saying, when all else fails, pray. Is that? When you've tried everything else, pray. No. I mean, you can if you want, but it's a long journey if you do that. Pray, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so, be strong and courageous. Above all, be strong and courageous. And then he's, the second time, he specifically gives them how to be strong and courageous. Here it is. Verse 7, above all, be strong and courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You're to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to observe everything written in it. For then you will be prosperous and successful in whatever you do. 
Have I not commanded you, verse 9, be strong and courageous. And then there's a little part at the end I want to show with you, share with you. Here's the thing. God's word is our key to this year. Everything we need to handle whatever comes our way is found in God's word. Everything. If we need wisdom, we know how to ask for wisdom. If we need courage, we know how to ask for courage. If we need faith, we know how to ask. We know what faith looks like because we have example after example of faith. If we need repentance, we know what that looks like. If we need hope, we know what that looks like. If we need to know how to interact with our friends and our family, we know what that looks like. If we need to know how to keep our marriage together, we know what that looks like. Folks, God's Word has everything we need to make it through this life. And guess what? I don't mean to pry into your life, but I'll show you a little bit into mine. I'm so distracted by so many things that it's hard to get God's Word in. And that's just an excuse. Amen? What if you were the sole culmination of the amount of time you spent in God's Word? What if it was proportional? What if, what if, your, what if you looked as much like Jesus as the time you spent with Jesus in His Word? How much like Jesus would you look like? Matter of fact, what if God made a deal with you? Not that He would do this, but what if He said, I'll tell you what, I will give you exactly the amount of peace that you spend looking for peace in my word. I will give you the exact amount of joy that you spend finding joy in my word. I will give you the exact amount of hope that you find that you spend looking for hope in my word. What if God were to do that and give it proportionally? Man, we'd be in bad shape, most of us, because, because there are shiny things all over. We see things and we're like, ooh, let me have that. Ooh, let me have that. By the end of the day, we're like, wait a minute. I've given my life to everything that doesn't matter and very little of my, li my life to the very life breath within me. And so my calling to you and the reflection to my own heart is this. Meditate on God's word as your priority this, mo uh, this, this month, this year. Determine in your heart that every voice you put in is a voice that is going to direct your life. So you need and I need to put the voice of God. You don't want to fear? Put God's voice in your heart. That way when the enemy starts to pipe up, God's voice like a lion. Oh. When you're discouraged, but that, that was the ending part here by the way. He says, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? Then he says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Two of the biggest feelings you are going to face this year is fear and discouragement. Fear of the unknown, fear of what they say, the experts and all those. Other, and then discouragement. Man, it's just not going like I thought it would. Man, it's just not working out like I was hoping it to. I, I just don't have enough. I, I just don't know if I can keep going. And you know the thing about discouragement? It's a downward cycle. It, when you flush, it starts swirling, right? Discouragement is that. It's this downward cycle that keeps bringing you down and down and down. It is the enemy deceiving your heart, stealing your hope. So church, be strong. Be courageous.
but not in your own strength and not in your own courage. Your strength is in the Lord. You know the Lord based on how he revealed himself. Let me close with this. We look at God's word as oftentimes as a rule book. Or we actually, we look at it as a YouTube video sometimes. A YouTube video to show us how. We only go to it when we have a problem that we haven't figured out. And so we're like, okay, finally, I guess I'll go and see if I can figure it out. So we scroll through looking for something to give us you know, what we need. And, and if, we, if we like it, if we think it'll work, we, we treat it just like a YouTube video. We deal with whatever we have, then we set it back aside. Or we see it as a rule book where it's like, okay, I just, I don't want to do wrong. I don't want to do bad. So, okay, I did this one, check. I did, uh, we're just going to skip over that one. Uh, did this one, check. Both of those ways, though, are inferior ways to look at God's Word. You know what it is? It's a journal from a father to his children. It's a father who says, I want my children to know me. So I'm going to reveal every deep thing about me. I'm going to reveal how much I love them. I'm going to reveal what I've done for them. I want to reveal how I've moved in other people's lives. I want to show them experiences that other people have had with me and the results of their faith and obedience or the results of their disobedience and sin. I want to show that to my people so that my people will trust me and will love me. That's what God's Word is. So I want to invite you, beginning today, in fact, to the best, I know we're digital, I know that, but if you can find a hard copy of God's Word in a translation that you can read, I use an HCSB, Home and Christian Standard, I just, I like, it's a great, it's a great, I just love the version, it's easy to read, and it's well translated, find a hard copy and start taking your pen, circling things and writing notes and, and just meditating. And then take a journal and just write down some things. Spend time communing with God. And here's what's really neat about that. When you spend time communing with God, the rest of the things in life that everybody else freaks out about become kind of blurry. It's like, yeah, but I know that God is bigger than that so i'm not going to be afraid i'll deal with it i won't ignore it i'll deal with it but i'm i'm going to trust what god said because what god said god always does amen this morning i want to invite you to two things actually to three things number one if you're here or if you're watching by way of video and you've never trusted Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's by grace you're saved through faith, not of your works. That means you can't be good enough to earn God's favor. So if you will trust Jesus. Now trusting Jesus means that you're repenting of sin. Why? Because if you don't realize that you need a Savior, why would you even ask for a Savior? But if you turn to Jesus, the Bible says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved the Bible says that you and I will face God one day one day we're going to die and one day we're going to face God and the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death that means if we die without a relationship with Jesus there is an eternal death that is guaranteed but the Bible also says but God demonstrated his own love for us he showed us his love 
in that even though we were still sinners, in the midst of our sin, Christ Jesus died for us. So it's by grace you're saved through faith, not of works. This morning, if you've not ever placed your faith in Jesus, maybe your heart's beating out of your chest. Maybe if you look down, you see it, right? Because it's kind of like you're not sure about this. Here's the thing. I've never met a single person who's regretted truly trusting Jesus Christ. Not one. But I've met a slew of them who will say, I'm so glad I'm not what I was. Because what I was wasn't getting me anywhere. I now have all of the things that God promised to those who would believe. That's number one. If you need to trust Jesus, do that even now. Two, if if your screen time is greater than your word time, end your screen time and begin your word time. I actually got a a note today. It was kind of funny. Um, I got one of those, uh, what do they call them, notifications? Yeah, screen time. said, your screen time, average screen time this week was like four hours and 28 minutes. Now, to be fair, I was hunting most of the day through a lot of days this week, and so when you're hunting, that is kind of what you do, just to be fair. But if our screen time is consistently more than our time in God's Word, we're going to get what we got. Don't blame God, because He's already made a way. So make a commitment today. Get into God's Word. If you don't know how to do that, come see me. I'd love to help you. Lots of people could do that. The third thing is this. If this church is not yet your church home, and you know that it needs to be, I want to invite you to do so. If God has led you here and, and you're, 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 you know that, I want to invite you to make it your church home. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. I'm going to pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. God, I pray that today you would help us to trust you. Help us, Father, to be strong and to be courageous. Help us to know that things end so that things can begin. God, we ask this in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. God's people said, let's stand together. We're going to sing this time of invitation. It's an invitation for you to respond to what God has spoken to you about. Let's sing together. Find out more about First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze at fbcgulfbreeze.org.